2017 was a huge year for cultural marketing. We had the fallout of Brexit and Trump, as well as multiple other divisive moments. Now, with the growing trend of brands hijacking these political and cultural heartbeats, today we're asking, is bandwagon jumping an effective marketing tactic for brands? This is Stop the Scroll. I'm James. And I'm Dave. Before we get into the detail of today's podcast, I think we just want to clarify a few things for Shane and yourself and for our listeners. What do we mean by bandwagon jumping? Um, yeah, well, so bandwagon jumping is essentially just when a brand uh, looks out into the landscape and sees that there's a social, political, cultural uh, event or issue that's happening and decides, hey, this is an opportunity for us. Um, I think a really, uh, a really good example was Ancestry.com when um, obviously the fallout of Brexit, the ongoing fallout of Brexit, and they created an ad that essentially said, um, I think it was something like, uh, was it 60% mm. of British uh, people share DNA yeah. with mainland Europe, or 60% of our DNA, something like that. But yeah. basically the, tag, the tagline at the end of the ad was, um, we might be leaving Europe, but Europe will never leave us. So clearly, looking at relevance, looking yeah. at something they could they could talk about, it's you know that's yeah. that's what we say. That's what we mean when we say bandwagon jumping. It's a great it's a great example. I mean, brands are obviously increasingly turning to cultural events for their marketing efforts. Um, it's this isn't anything new, right? You know, we've seen kind of the likes of Paddy Power and an Innocence movie kind of hijack these moments a lot for their own marketing efforts but but whether or not all brands should be doing it is is up for debate and, and that's what we're going to discuss today right yeah definitely and it's not so much i mean there is newsjacking is part of this the idea of bandwagon jumping but it's it's more you know we're looking at what what the research we conducted last year it was it was really talking a lot about you know should brands really jump on these big social yeah. political moments yeah. and, and create campaigns around these things, okay. almost around brand, brand purpose. Yeah. Okay, great. So to help discuss this, Dave and I are delighted to be joined by Shane Bellamy. Shane is the former head of digital media and communications for PepsiCo and is the current marketing director for the Royal Air Force Charitable Trust. Uh, so today we're going to chat content versus current events and whether brands should be jumping on any bandwagon. So Shane, a big welcome and thank you for joining Stop the Scroll. Thank you. I mean, to give you and our listeners a bit of context, at the end of 2017, we conducted a survey to understand how consumers felt about the content they were seeing in their, their news feeds and inboxes. Um, one of the most surprising results that we saw was that the number of users who felt that brands should be talking about their own products rather than shoehorning in current events and social issues. Now, Shane, you've got extensive experience working uh, with some big name brands, including you know, BlackBerry, Activision, Electronic Arts, PepsiCo, and, and now the RAF. Does it surprise you that the majority of consumers don't really like to see brands jumping on the bandwagon when it comes to pop culture and, and current events? No, I don't think it's a surprise anymore. I think um, brands have kind of brought it about themselves a little bit. I think partly because uh, it's often been done quite badly, yeah. either because uh, the brand itself has tried to shoehorn itself into an area where they don't really fit, um, or they've made... I don't know what's the what's the phrase like a dad joke attempt at it. Yeah. You know, so it's um, <laughs> they've not done the best job themselves of getting into that space. I think also it's been done so many times now that 
that newness and coolness about getting involved, you know, and we can all go back to the original ones that, that people still talk about, um, that's gone now. You have to be very, very good at it now to, to, yeah. to get the traction. And I also think it feels a little bit like whatever kind of pop culture moment or event is going on, you know, the audience are out there and they're either enjoying it or they're outraged by it. Um, and then it's like along come the brands, like the, the aging parents at the teen birthday party trying to fit in. And I just think you need to make sure that you've got absolute direct relevancy to the subject matter. And the, the Ancestry.com example was, was great because they did it they did it right there and then created the bandwagon for other brands to jump on. So do you think it's almost a, almost a case of brands sometimes, especially the bigger the brand, sometimes they're a bit too slow and they're a bit late to the party, as well as obviously not being 100% relevant. Maybe the relevance comes from timing. And by the time the brands start talking about it, they're just, you know, that okay, that was so last week. Yeah, I think unless, you know, if you can see a, a moment developing, unless you believe that what you're putting out there is going to be better than anything that's come before it, I would say don't. You know, just, just let it go and let it happen. If you're the first one out and got the, got the cool stuff, great. If, you, if, if you've got that relevancy and wherever it's like humour or, or credibility to talk in that space, then go for it. Yeah. If you're just joining the party, then, yeah, I would say, you know, be very, very careful because you're not going to get the country that you're looking for. I mean, going back to the Ancestry example, obviously, you know, you say that it's a, it's a good example of where they, where they did it right, but, it, you know, it did generate quite a kind of divisive... Uh, commentary on online you know there's lots of people that were for it and, and some others who are against it are we seeing this kind of a current trend of audiences being more divisive now uh, in, in kind of today's digital uh, space yes and, and you know with the devices and the, the, the channels available to us everybody's got a mouthpiece now and everybody's got an opinion so yeah you know the ancestry.com at least I think what I admired about that was they had the courage of their convictions and they went for it and, and they're quite happy to, to stand by that. So if you're happy to accept that what you're putting out there is going to split the audience, you know, in whichever kind of portion of the pie, but you're happy with that, then, then fine, I think you can go for it. Um, yeah. And obviously there's, you know, divisive is one thing and then you've got the kind of celebratory side of things as well. And I think one of the... Um, one of the areas that I look back to was the Back to the Future Day yeah. back in 2015. Now, that's where PepsiCo got it right because we were very lucky. Obviously, Pepsi Perfect was in the movie. So we had relevancy. We had absolute credibility to talk about it. And it's not a particularly divisive subject. So you could just get involved and really kind of enjoy that. And a lot of brands then jumped on that bandwagon. You know, we did the Uber partnership in London and San Francisco where, you know, if you dialed up your uber account a delorean would turn up and take you on your on your uber ride which is great and that was a very much a, everybody come together and just join in and celebrate it which, which was less divisive yeah yeah i mean again an, another really good example i mean if we're talking more about kind of you know social issues and political issues and brands that are kind of getting involved in in those you know are are brands falling victim of this kind of divisiveness with it with its consumers or, or are they kind of taking advantage i guess it's kind of a fine line between the two right yeah, it absolutely depends on, on what you put out there. And I think you're probably right. More brands have fallen victim to it than have, than have got it right because it's a very, very, um, it, it's an art, not a science when you're getting into that kind of social commentary, political commentary. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, a lot of brands kind of see it as their responsibility to promote, you know, social and cultural agenda. IKEA and, and Unilever are two good examples, Dave. I don't know if you want to kind of touch on those. I mean, we just, uh, you know, you see IKEA, um, you know, in some of the industry, 
press, I think, I can't remember if it was Marketing Week, a campaign in the last couple of months, um, saw an article where IKEA was basically saying, you know, we don't really care if we get flack. We feel that this is, we should promote diversity. Um, you know, it's one of our core values and it always has been. Um, and they had apparently gotten some, some stick for an ad that they had, they had produced. I, I believe it might have been the States. Mm. I, can't, I can't remember, so probably shouldn't be quoting it on a podcast. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, you know, in a big question, I mean, we were reading, you know, Contagious, and we are actually chatting to the editorial director, Alex Jenkins, uh, for another podcast episode. And they've, for 2018, they see the increasing what they call the, the political lifestyle as, as an opportunity for brands, but it's almost like how, just how risky is it? Because as politics get more and more divisive, um, as social media you yeah. know, becomes, you know, well, you've got Unilever saying until Facebook and Google sort themselves out, we're not gonna be part of any division. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's wishful thinking to, to a certain extent, I suppose, but you know, is it really, is it something that brands can do? Can brands pick sides? Can they sit on the fence? Yeah, and, and should they? I mean, and, and I guess another point is, is what's the risk in, in not taking a, taking a side, right? It, it's kind of like we're kind of seeing brands having to take these sides, but is there a risk that if they don't, what's the risk? You know, are they, are they, are they kind of, by not saying anything, are you going to get some criticism for that? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a bit like when when Uber, um, you know, we, again we were talking about this earlier. Uber decided that they were going to continue their their routes to JFK Airport, yeah. and then, you know, for the first time, Lyft yeah. started to overtake them in, in downloads. I think. Yeah. So it's an interesting one because it wasn't like Uber came out and said they were supporting Donald Trump's ban. It wasn't like they were supporting anything or denouncing anything. They were just carrying on business as usual and yeah. sitting on that fence, and then you know, the backlash, yeah. so. What, what are your thoughts on that, Shane? For, for brands that just don't make a, you know, take a stance on any kind of social or political um, event or, or, or news? No, I think, I think most brands should consider whether they need to or should. Um, you know, in most cases, an audience, you know, does an audience really care about a brand? Uh, and there are some brands like Uber that are thrust into the spotlight and, you know, and have to deal with it. But a, a, a typical brand, for, for want of a better word, you know, possibly possibly shouldn't. And I think you know the risk is there in that if you do take a stance, that you miss the mark and cause offence. Yeah. Um, there's a risk that if you do take a stand, you then really have to live it. You know, it can't just be a an advertising campaign tactic. It needs to be part of your inherent brand DNA if you're going to take that stance. Yeah. Yeah. And like the example you talked about before, you have to accept that that's going to lose some of your previous audience and, and that's fine, you know, you're yeah. okay with that. Um, and you have to behave that way over time. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that it, sometimes it just doesn't work. I don't think necessarily that the wider audience out there really believes brands that much that care about these things. Yeah. Um, and like I say, if, you, if you're going to go down the ethical stance route, then it, then it has to become an ongoing, long-term part of your brand DNA. Yeah, that's it. And it, I mean, I guess some, some brands are actually kind of falling victim of people kind of calling them out for almost retrofitting this kind of this purpose this belief this kind of stance that they have really purely for for marketing and and, and gimmicking gimmicky type gains right 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, you can't just suddenly turn around and go, oh, yeah, we were we were into this all along. You know, if you're lucky, then fine. You know, you're in the right place at the right time, and you can absolutely take advantage of that. If not, if you want to start it now, then fine. But again, it needs to be a long-term view, not just a not just a yeah. annual marketing tactic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess um, I guess one thing that's interesting for me is you know, you've worked at some some very established brands. I mean, Pepsi's been around for. I don't know, nearly a hundred years. So I'm not really sure when Pepsi started, but it was early part yeah. of the 20th century. A long time. And and so you know, obviously, is is it easier for for new brands, for startups, for you know people who haven't been around all that long to to really build in this brand purpose? You know, this is and, and it, take and take risks. Exactly, right? exactly, and take risks. And how difficult is it for brands like you know like Pepsi, who've been around for so long? Um, you know, is it is it more difficult for brands like Pepsi, or is it, you know, is it easy enough? Is it is it just as challenging? I suppose. I guess yeah, it's just different challenges. I think you know, newer niche brands from from kind of startups that are behaving in that way naturally, it's it's sometimes not necessarily easier for them, but it's, again, it is just part of what they do because they're the younger generation. They are more politicised, etc., and, and away they go behaving in that way. I think for a, a major household brand that's been around for you know 50, 80 years, then it can be harder. Like you say, it appears more shoehorned in. But what those brands have is mass budgets. Um, you know, the smaller brands don't, so they can switch on and go very big. You know, across all uh, all marketing media um, and establish themselves in that way and, and really kind of shape themselves. But then, like I said before, if they're going to do that, fine, but they then have to do it long term. They can't just do it as a summer campaign and then forget about it because if they're associating themselves with that political, socioeconomic, whatever that movement might be, yeah, yeah. you can't just leave those people behind when you're done with the campaign. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of relevancy. We've talked a lot about uh, credibility. Are there any other kind of do's, you know, and, and tips that for any any listeners, any any of our listeners listening and, and they're thinking of kind of uh, jumping on a bandwagon or making a political or, or social kind of statement for their brand? Are there any other kind of tips that you would you would recommend? I would say kind of look internally as well as externally, um, because a lot of times when you see uh, brands going out and start talking in a certain way, they'll get reined in because maybe the senior leadership in that company doesn't understand, uh, you know, the, the modern way of communication and doesn't yeah. understand that whatever you put out there, you're going to get positive and negative commentary on it. And if the if the wrong people within an organisation start seeing the negative commentary on it, then the reins can get pulled in, budgets can get pulled in, and, and the thing kind of suffocates itself, where yeah. it, sometimes you just need to educate your senior leadership about how it's going to be you know this is the journey that you're on and you're expecting it to be a bumpy road but the end result is going to be a better place and have them have that trust to allow you to behave in that way yeah and and what about don'ts you know what about any kind of I mean, we've talked a little bit about a few kind of examples but are there any kind of if we were to kind of summarize again for any for our listeners um any kind of you know absolute do not do not do this if you're looking at and, and thinking about making a political or, or, or social kind of stance I think you just need common sense, you know, that there are certain subject matters that it's just best if a brand steers away from, yeah. like I say, unless unless you have somebody senior within your organisation that feels very passionate about it and believes that that's what the brand is all about, then go for it. Otherwise, like I say, you know, there are certain political 
uh, and socio-economic subjects yeah. that you just don't want to touch at all. Um, we, this isn't related to that, but, but back when I was at PepsiCo, when the Pokemon Go phenomenon occurred, uh, and we had all of our brand managers kind of reaching out and saying, how do we get involved in this? You know, what should we do? What's the best way of working in it? So we did a bit of investigation as to, you know, what had happened to date, um, you know, who'd been involved, who'd got what kind of positivity out of it. And the guidance back to the business was, the time has gone, don't get involved now because you're not going to get cut through unless you've got something really stellar to put out there. Yeah. It's already been done. It's not new. It's not cool anymore. So let the moment pass. So yeah. I think accepting that sometimes it's best just to sit back and let it happen is okay too. Yeah, certainly. Really good example. Now, guys, I mean, whilst, you know, obviously we're, we're talking a lot about kind of social and political um, issues and, and um, brands that are jumping on the bandwagon. Dave, one of the things that you noticed in the 2018 Super Bowl was, was brands actually moving away from this and, and being a bit more kind of um, humorous, producing more humorous content. Yeah, well, I, think it's, I think it's fairly well documented. You know, I think um, Mark Ritson had a piece about... Um, about it, he, he touched on the fact that you look at 2017, you've got Airbnb um, producing a Super Bowl ad that is you know, not even really thinly veiled uh, criticism of, of Donald Trump. It's fairly obvious what they're saying and, and who they're targeting. Um, and I think in this country that was quite well received, but from what I understand in the States it was quite polarised. There was a lot of negativity around Airbnb, mm. um, you know, that kind of thing, but then this year you look at it and you know you've got brilliant ads like the the Tide ad where it's a Tide ad, you know. Yeah. You know you've got all that brilliant stuff, and then the kind of the loser that was pointed out was Ram Trucks. It was like, hey, let's let's do the typical stock stock footage of well, it's not stock, but you know the the almost stereotypical footage of people working hard, loading yeah. you know bits of tree into a truck and driving across a field and yeah. all this stuff. And then we're going to put a Martin Luther King speech. That's going to be our soundtrack. Rather than a Bob Seger song, yeah. we're going to have a Martin Luther King speech. And apparently, you know, the they thing, didn't learn the lessons yeah. of 2017. And that was the big loser of, of the Super Bowl. It's almost like, yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing is, yeah. is there a movement away from big above the line campaigns that are trying to make political and social statements? Yeah. I mean, is this a, a brand's kind of changing their tack almost. And, and, and is that because of the kind of the fallout of, you know, having such a divisive audience and, and having the fallout of some of these adverts and, and, and content that uh, can be criticised? Are brands kind of shying away from it now um, because of that? What I have seen is, is a group of people, you know, smart, intelligent people and, and passionate about a brand in a room all talking about ideas and you kind of get on this snowball effect where someone comes up with an idea and everybody starts running with it and at the end it's only when you look back when you've got you kind of twitter backlash that you realize oh hold on you know we, we really should have stepped out of ourselves a little bit or got somebody else involved and, and said and you know the, yeah. the ram trucks is you know i don't know whether that's a, a good example of that or not but like you say you know the, the actual visual concept was, was fine and it was just the fact that they put the you know the particular soundtrack that they chose on it and if they'd chosen something else it probably wouldn't have been good enough to be a Super Bowl ad but it would have been fine you know in terms of American automotive creative it, it would have been great but yeah I could, I've certainly seen where people can lead themselves down a path because everyone's yeah. putting in the right direction and building on the idea but actually what you end up with is something far away from what you kind of set out to do yeah 
I mean, moving forwards then for, for 2018 and, and beyond, how do we think that we'll see brands you know, reacting to, to kind of cultural and societal events? Will, will, will they have to pick a side? Uh, or is there any kind of middle ground when it comes to creating good content marketing? Yeah, I definitely think there's, there's middle ground there. And I, and I think there's, like you said, with the 2018 Super Bowl ads, there's, there's room for humour in there. So there's still commentary that you can have on events, but maybe try not to, you know, not poking fun at stuff, obviously, but, but having a, um, a more lofty viewpoint on it rather than like kind of getting in and like you say taking aside i still think we'll see this this going forward it's not all going to stop i think um you know there are brands out there where certain political social you know effects are inherent to their ethos they're prepared to stand by it for the long term and they're happy to lose whatever audience that costs them for yeah. the stance and that, that's absolutely fine but i think um most you know, normal brands your typical brand well, you'll see probably a gentle retreat to safer areas, um, you know, commenting on, on things like, bad examples, but Valentine's Day and Halloween, for example, rather than political um, impacts or yeah. voting, etc. I think, you know, taking that a step further, where we used to see a lot of social media war room yeah. um, type, type setups, I think that feels outdated now. Um, and through all the effort that people threw into war rooms, you know, the actual examples of really good real-time reactive work, still quite few and far between. You know, we all still talk about the same same old examples. Yeah. Um, so it's not a guaranteed area of success. No, I mean, I think you need real strong, undeniable relevant relevancy to yeah. whatever the subject matter is. Um, you need an organisation that understands the risks and reactions. And if not, then I think it's probably best to, to steer on the safe side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Some good examples of, of what you were just touching on there would be, I mean, the classic example is Oreo's, you know, Super Bowl tweet from from years ago, the Dunkin' in the Dark. I know it's it's a it's a bad example because it's so so old, but but it's the, it's an example that people still think about now when they think about reactive marketing. And unfortunately, it's kind of made a rod of its own back because so many brands are, are kind of seeing that, looking at that, and thinking, well, it worked for them, so it could work for us. Yeah, exactly, they created a monster. And it was interesting what Oreo did the following year then when. You know, so many brands that year must have had their war room set up and Oreo just tweeted, we're going to go dark for this one, and they yeah. just sat it out, which I think was exactly the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah, because I, mean, I think it's, I mean, it'd be interesting to get your take on the shame, but it, it kind of feels like a lot of brands, you know, digital channels have been around for a while now. Facebook is, is not new, yet it feels like some brands are a bit slow on the, on the uptake and their strategy is a bit dated. And it's almost like there's this thing out there and we've got to fill it. It's a bottomless pit for content. We've just got to keep filling it and filling it. And, you know, newsjacking and reactive content are all part of the efforts to fill this bottomless pit and yeah. to, to be seen. But we've actually, you know, Facebook is a pay-to-play platform now. All, yeah. all social channels are, really. And, and it's almost like we're forgetting the, the idea of quality content beats just a a quantity yeah uh, you know yeah, absolutely absolutely and again think about it from a from an audience perspective um you know nobody really sits there thinking oh i haven't heard from that brand for a little while you know it's just not part of what a normal <laughs> person in their everyday life does so so forget the content calendar now don't don't worry too much if a, if a moment comes up and you really think from a marketing or agency point of view we have a right to play here then yes dive in with both feet otherwise concentrate on your main kind yeah. of campaign and, and business goals and always think about it from a from an audience point of view because 
yes, great. If you if you hit that sweet spot like Oreo did, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other examples as well. But you know, if, if you get that, then you are you become part of the news, which is fantastic. But there's so few and far between that the effort you can put in for years trying to get that point is not going to get you that much. Whereas that effort could have been better spent concentrating on your core brand objectives, your core marketing channels. It feels a bit like in, in some ways when people when we used to get these briefs, um, haven't had one for a really long time, several years, thankfully, but when people say, yeah, we just, we want this to go viral. Yeah, hit the viral button. Yeah, how can we make this? It was always like the bottom objective of all the other things is, yeah. oh, let, we want this to go viral. Yeah. Break the internet. Yeah. I mean, it means, means nothing, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Um, right. Thankfully, that sort of speak does seem to have gone from the world. But yeah, the, the secret is do, do good marketing, make good content. And then, you know, if people like it, then it gets, you know, gets more visibility. But like you say, it's all pay to play now anyway. At PepsiCo now, we were, um, we were saying no social posting now without um, financial boosting behind it. Um, because, you know, organic reach is so low nowadays that if you're just putting content out, then it's, you know, nobody's going to be seeing it. Brilliant. Shane, many thanks for joining us today on, on Stop the Scroll. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll speak again soon. Yeah, lovely. Thanks, guys. You can find more insight from Headstream on iTunes and SoundCloud and of course headstream.com where you can also find links to download our survey report. Thanks for listening and see you soon.